A reading from Paul's letters to the Galatians. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes. And he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home. And declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
In the name of the one living God, amen. <clears throat> the man begged that he might be, be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. When our now adult son was growing up, his goal in life was to be a magician equal to or superior to Houdini, and consequently our family lived for many years with a habit trail housing 56 mice and an enormous cage with two beautiful doves while Chris practiced making any or all of them disappear. He also subsidized his allowance by entertaining the neighborhood kids. And we as a family frequented magic shows around the Bay Area, even partaking in close-up, sleight-of-hand card tricks. Chris's career paled when the doves and the mice and even his younger sister did not disappear. And it eventually all came to a crashing halt when in high school he failed his third attempt to swallow fire and he ended up in the hospital, fortunately with no more than a damaged ego. <laughs> but I became intrigued with magic. Try as I could, I could never figure out how it was done. And even to this day, my adult son would never tell me he simply says, it's magic, Mom, it's magic. Today, we wrestle with the seemingly absurd gospel story of the Gerasene demoniac, a man less than human, possessed by demons, naked, chained, and shackled, living in a cemetery, plus a large herd of pigs who run off a cliff and into the sea. For centuries, scholars have attempted to explain this, and it still remains one of the most enigmatic stories in the gospel. And we can rightfully ask, I think, is it magic or is it miracle? Healing stories, as you know, abound in the gospels. The feeding of the 5,000, the calming of the storm, the centurion's daughter, the crippled Lord on the litter, and many, many more. And here is yet another attempt to describe an indescribable experience and to apply it 2,000 years later. So, do we simply write it off as magic, or can we see it? as miracle. Magic, it seems, is meant to deceive, to create an illusion that is not real. I just think the penny is in the left hand of the magician when it's really in his right hand, that the rabbit really popped out of an empty hat, or that the woman was actually sawed in half. It's magic, Mom, but miracle is a natural or supernatural event in which we can see an act or revelation of God. 
So we have a choice. We can reject this story altogether or chalk it up to magic. Or through faith, we can trust that some high spiritual experience came to the demonic and the garrisons that day as they felt the power of God around them. The possessed man, now healed, came to have faith mediated to him in and through the person of Jesus. What the man experienced was divine compassion as Jesus allowed his own agenda to be interrupted and came off the boat and met the man face to face. Jesus did not wave a magic wand from the boat. He went ashore and he entered into the garrison situation because he cared. Wherever Jesus was going, he stopped. Yet another example of human need intersecting with God's boundless mercy. That's the miracle. That is healing. But that was also then. So now we may well ask, are there any miracles today? Well, maybe it's just a matter of perspective. When we think about it, we're surrounded by miracles every day. Miracles in medicine have reached a competence where lives who were once lost now can be extended dramatically or even saved. Miracles in technology, which has now taken us hundreds of millions of light years into space, where Time magazine says we're able to see how the universe may even eventually phase out. Miracles are all around us, but maybe we don't recognize the divine love of God for God's creation in such things because we credit our own competence and cleverness to both discover the unknown and then to control it and then to take credit for it. If we put so much faith in ourselves that we can believe our own competence will deliver us from whatever situation we find ourselves in? Have our lives become so filled with routine advances that in them we can no longer see the hand of God, the presence of God, the blessing of God among us and around us? Have we put so much faith in our own competence that the restoration of a broken human being no longer inspires the awe of God in us? There's nothing sinister about medicine or our technology or physics, but we can't depend upon them to be our deliverers because eventually they will be bound by their own limitations. We cannot do it all by ourselves, even though we like to be in control. After all, we say, If we're going to have a God, let's have a tame one. The truth is that our God is the one who spoke the universe into existence. Confronted by the power of God, who among us can remain in our comfort zone? Any encounter with God means we don't remain the same. 
Transformation is disruptive. It's not always welcome or pretty. But we do not control the Spirit of God. This is the power that turns lives around, frees those in bondage, exalts the humble, makes the selfish generous, and generally turns everything upside down. That is not magic. Jesus commanded the man, go back to your community and tell them what God has done. You don't have to be a great prophet or in the position of leadership or an ordained person. Just be you, redeemed and healed, and show them the power of God's love. And we, you and I, are heirs to that command to always remember the source of the miracle. We're called to recognize the power and the truth and to say, here it is. That's what we do every time we gather here. Every time we renew our baptismal vows to renounce Satan and the forces of wickedness, the evil powers of this world and the sinful desires that draw us from the love of God. That's what we do when we teach our children. That's what we do when we visit one another in the hospital. That's what we do when we comfort one another in our grief. And that's what we do when we rejoice around this table. When we receive Eucharist and then become Eucharist to others. We declare that we are in the hands of a loving, powerful, and compassionate God who loves creation. We witness to the fact that God keeps God's promises, that we are restored by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We proclaim the miracle that we are all one in Christ. As Paul says in this morning's epistle, there's no slave or free Greek or Jew, male or female, we all of us together, broken and yes, filled with our own demons, proclaim that we are restored by the love of Christ. Return to your home and tell your story, Jesus says, and let them see firsthand what redemption is. Let them see the hand of God in hope and compassion and love. Help them to look with wonder and awe at the work of God around them, even that wrought by human hands. Teach them how to look with expectation at how the power and compassion and love of God is manifested in their own lives how those promises sealed on the cross of Christ are kept. Guide them into looking out at the wonders of the universe, of life, of love, of healing and reconciliation, and responding with joy and thanksgiving. The man begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away and said, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. 
Understandably, the healed man wanted to join the band following Jesus. But with words spoken to us as much as to his new disciple, Jesus tells him, no, stay here and make a difference where you are. You have a part in healing. And no wonder if we're confused. Jesus has always said, come, follow me. And now he's saying, no, stay where you are and learn from this somewhat bizarre story of a crazy man and a herd of pigs. The man threw himself at the feet of Jesus and was released because God's power manifests itself most dramatically when we surrender ours. So hopefully the symbols in this story, perhaps seen by some as reminiscent of the wizardry of Harry Potter or the special effects of George Lucas, can be translated to show us the truth of being lost and of being found, of saying yes to Christ, the truth of letting go and healing and then taking our own healing into a broken world enamored with possessions, mindful that we may be the only exposure to the good news that some people will ever have. This story, in a context broader than the healing of a demoniac, reveals to us our continual need to be opened to Christ. We all get closed up emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, resulting in our need to be opened up to healing and wholeness, to a new beginning, to the sacred presence of God, reaching out to that unfathomable love of God and allowing the gospel to happen, however and whenever God chooses to give it to us perhaps in the most powerful way it can happen, in the quiet healing of our own brokenness. So, my friends, open up and let God be God. That is the miracle. Amen.